0: and education and just all kinds of different amazing services. Um, and the, as much as they get donations and help from other places, that this is part of our church. And so we always take an offering every year to be able to uh, bless them and be able to show our support for them. And our church has always been so generous within that. And so just want to remind you that we are doing this today. Again, we don't pass bags or anything for that. So if you go onto the QR code uh, where it has the online giving link, you can just follow the normal steps, but make sure you specify... New Life Center's offering and not New Life Lincoln Park. That's basically what you do, all right? So that's all the stuff for today. Uh, Join me in Psalm 133, Psalm 133. If you're using the Bible in the pew, this is on page 519. Uh, We're actually going to be looking at Psalm 133 and 1 Corinthians 12. It's going to be jumping back and forth between those two, but uh, Psalm 133 is the main one. Uh, Before we jump in, uh, actually, let me start a little bit. We're actually starting a new series today called Life Together, uh, Life Together. And we're going to be looking at a lot of different texts throughout Scripture that talk about community and talk about the church and what it means to be the people of God. Uh, But the idea of this series was inspired by a book that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote called Life Together. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian who saw firsthand the impact that Nazism had on his country and specifically the church during World War II. Um, in 1933, when Hitler, just to give a little bit of context about when this book and what uh, was written and um, the context of what it came out of, in 1933, when Hitler took power, the church in Germany split. There were those who supported Hitler. Uh, and Hitler's distorted teachings of Scripture and how he distorted the gospel. Those who followed Hitler and his distortions believed things such as not turning the other cheek, not helping those who were weak, no admiration for the meek. The idea is that it was, to, it was the strong who take Europe and then the strong who would take tomorrow the world. This was the church that followed Hitler. Then there were those who opposed Hitler and Bonhoeffer was one of them, who fought to maintain the orthodox views of Christianity, of what the Bible teaches, that salvation is in Jesus alone and no one else. Unfortunately, by 1938, those orthodox views of Christianity were illegal in Germany. It was illegal to say that salvation was through Jesus alone and not through the views of Hitler. So Bonhoeffer starts what was basically an illegal underground seminary with a few dozen students to teach them theology and, and sound Christian doctrine. But it wasn't simply about learning the information. It was about living to be the people of God, living theology, living the teachings of Scripture in the midst of a culture that was antagonistic toward their faith. It was about being disciples of Jesus in the midst of a culture that promoted disciples of a political figure. It was about being the people of God in the midst of a place who were opposed to such a community. So I I want you to hear this background. I want you to know where this book came from so that when you hear Bonhoeffer say this, you understand how potent it is that he says it. Bonhoeffer said, "...the Christian cannot simply take for granted..." The privilege of living among other Christians. This isn't somebody in our time where it's like, oh man, okay, let's get up or I'm tired, let's just watch it on the video. This is somebody in the midst of a culture that thought it was illegal to hold the beliefs of the Bible, who is saying that it's we cannot take for granted the privilege of living among other Christians. When we understand the context of his book that he wrote in and what the people of God were challenged with in that time, then his words ring powerfully when he also says this, It is easily forgotten that the community of Christians is a gift of grace from the kingdom of God, a gift that can be taken from from us any day, that the time still separating us from the most profound loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let those who until now have had the privilege of living a Christian life together with other Christians, praise God's grace from the bottom of their hearts. Let them thank God on their knees and realize it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are still permitted to live in the community of Christians today. And that's really what this series is about that we're going to be talking about, is this great God, thanking God for the grace of being in community. Because we are we are obviously not living in Bonhoeffer's time, but his encouragement and his challenge to the church is as incredibly important and potent and vital for the church in our time. We need to not take for granted the privilege of being together. We need to, when he says, let those who until now have had the privilege of living a Christian life live together with other Christians praising God from the grace from the bottom of their hearts. We need to be praising God for the fact that we can be together and ask God for the openness of our hearts to see why it's such an amazing thing. We want to think about what Christian we want to think about the Christian community the way that God intends the community to be. We want to understand what it means to be a part of the church based on how God has fashioned and formed the church to be. We want, to be, we want to embody what it means to be the church in our world that needs to hear of Jesus. Ronald Raulheiser says this, Christian community is a gathering around the person of Christ in a, in, in a way that displaces our selfishness so that we begin to live in a charity, joy, peace, patience, goodness, long-suffering, faith, constancy, mildness, and chastity that make it possible To precisely live with each other beyond differences, fears, and incompatibilities. It's because of Jesus that we're together. And it's because of Jesus that this works. It's because of Jesus we thrive and flourish as a community. And so over the course of this month, we're going to learn what the scriptures teach about being part of God's community. Uh, Today, we're going to look at two different passages. This Psalm 133 and then another one in 1 Corinthians 12 that are going to give us a foundation that the rest of the series is going to be built on. Uh, But before we get into that, let's pray and ask God that he would speak to us through his word this morning. And so God, we do. We ask that you would speak, that you would teach us, that you would open our hearts and minds to hear from you, God. That you would open our hearts and minds to the truth of your grace. The fact that we can be together. The fact that we can be with you. The fact that we can gather and worship and laugh and talk and pray. The privilege of that, God. God, help us to not take that for granted. Forgive us for the times that we take that for granted. Help us see the goodness in community and encourage our hearts within it. We thank you for everything. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so, like I said, the two scriptures that we're mainly going to focus on today are Psalm 133 and also uh, one section in 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to be going back and forth between the two because they complement each other really well. Uh, But the first thing that we're going to see is this, is that being part of the church is part of following Jesus. Being part of the church is part of following Jesus. And when somebody says that they are a follower of Christ, When somebody says that they've put their trust in Jesus, when someone says that they are a Christian, equal to that is, I am part of the church. If somebody, it's just, that's the equation. That's how it works. To be a follower of God is to be part of the community. If somebody says, I like Jesus, I want to follow him, but I don't want anything to do with the church, that doesn't work because they go together. To be part of the, to be a follower of Jesus is to be part of the church. It says in Psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Being part of the community of faith isn't a chore. It's not an obligation. It's not a job. It's what it means to be a child of God. And it should be a good thing, a pleasant thing, a positive thing. That doesn't mean that there's never work. That doesn't mean that there's never disagreement. That doesn't mean that we never have strife or there's never tension. And you have to be with people who don't cheer for the same teams that you cheer for. And somebody might steal your parking spot or take the last cup of coffee or be a jerk to you. That's going to happen. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. But even in the midst of tension, even in the midst of disagreements in time, how good and pleasant it is to be together together. How good, how awesome it is to be part of the community that God has made. How desirable, how wonderful, how amazing it is when we live this life together. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of this also. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. It's talking about this oneness language, this drawing together language. So within that, we have to understand what the church is and what the church isn't. The church is not a building. The church is the people that are here. The church is not a structure. It's a bunch of interconnected relationships. The church is not a program. The church is a family. The church is not bricks and mortar. It's not wires. It's not shingles. It's not plumbing. The church is laughter and tears and celebration and mourning. And as Bonhoeffer says, doing life together. When you give your life to Jesus, you immediately become part of following Jesus. I know that even as I'm getting a little older, some of my uh, childlike ways do not go with me, and I'm very grateful for that. And even at my age, I'm still a Lego person. Um, And Some of you know this about me. I love doing Lego sets uh, to the chagrin of my family sometimes. Um, I acknowledge I have a couple sets stacked up that I haven't got to, but it's just a joyous anticipation of having the time to finally get to them. The idea, you open up this box, and sometimes there's hundreds or even over a thousand of these different Legos, and you have this image on the box of what it's going to look like. And Mine are going to look like something from Star Wars. And so there's a ship or there's a creature or there's a building or something. And you have all of these different pieces. And as you start taking these individual pieces, they just look like small little two by two bricks or four by four bricks or this weird pipe or whatever that might be. But as you start interlocking them together, you realize that all these little pieces make this larger thing that is amazing. And you need the small pieces to make the larger thing. And as the small pieces come together, what it's supposed to be is formed and fashioned and comes to fruition. And it's the same with us. Every single one of us, we come in here and we are a part of what God is making within his church. You are a piece of what God wants the world to see When he sees the community of faith, he doesn't want people when they hear about New Life Lincoln Park to say, "Oh, you guys have a great building," which we do. But I mean, that's beside the point. He wants he wants to hear people say, "Oh, your people are so helpful. Your people are so kind. I love being around people from that church." We know if we need anything, they're going to help. We, that's the type of people that you want to go, be around. That's what God is building. That's, how the, that's what God is creating in this place. And when you begin following Jesus, you are a brick within the larger, amazing image that he is making within the family of God. You are part of this. You are an p- important piece within how God is building his church. And don't let anyone or yourself have you think differently. You were made and meant to be part of what God is building in his church. It doesn't matter who you were before Jesus. Now you are a part of his family and you fit. You are part. You were meant to be here. You are meant to be connected and you are wanted. N.T. Wright says this. He says, The church is to be the place where together we learn how to be God's genuinely human beings, worshiping God and serving him by reflecting his image in the world. This is where we connect with one another and in our relationships with one another, in our relationships with God, we learn what it means to be genuinely human, fully human, life as it was meant to be. And we help with one another in that. He has made you and I to be part of this living body. And that is amazing. I hope and I pray that you never become part of a church, whether it's ours or another one, that you never lose the amazing reality and awe of the fact that God has made you to be a part of something. I think that sometimes as we get older, we lose the excitement of life. Um, I said this to my kids. We were talking about going to see an animated movie, and one of them was like, I don't really want to go. And I said, you know what? Don't ever get so old that you can't enjoy a good cartoon. Uh, We have a new puppy. I've been talking about that. And I had her out the other day, and there was a lightning bug. And she just started hopping, chasing this lightning bug. And I was like the coolest thing. And I was like loving this, the simplicity of chasing fireflies. My teenagers don't do that anymore. I have to do that we lose that childlike awe of the things of life the older and more jaded we get don't get so old that you lose the childlike wonder of being part of a place that god is building and if you've never thought about the church like that it's time to start thinking about it like that it's not buildings and walls and pews it's not this thing obligation or thing or guilt trip that from your parents Or anything like that. It is this amazing body that God is making. And he has established. And you are a part of that. God, open our eyes to the wonder and the awe of being part of your community. Being a part of the church is part of following Jesus. That leads to the second thing. God strengthens and encourages us with his church. God strengthens and encourages us with this church. It says in Psalm 133, in verse two, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now this is building on the first one that said how good and beautiful it is, how good and pleasant it is when we live together in unity, when we're in community, when we're doing this life together, when we're connected. That's like precious oil poured on the head, Precious oil running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Now, I've been talking up this idea of being part of the community, and it's like this. And when we hear this verse, it's like, I don't really care about beards and beard oil. What's the whole point of that? Well, again, we have to read this within the context. And so this builds, but we have to understand how it builds. And so precious oil, oil was a symbol of joy, of happiness, So your community being together is like joy and happiness running down on the beard. Oil was used to anoint people, specifically priests who were working in the temple. So this isn't just any oil. This is the best oil. So this is the best type of joy, the best type of happiness that we're talking about. On the beard of Aaron, he was the high priest, the one who would guide the community in worship, the one who was responsible to lead the community in worship. Running down on the collar of his robes. An abundance of this good oil. not The oil used, again, within their worship services to anoint. And it's saying it's not just dripping, it's pouring out. It's overflowing. So what is the image here? When we're in community... When we're living life together as God has placed us and it's working, the joy and happiness that comes from that should be overflowing out of our experiences. Again, it remo- there shouldn't be any drudgery. There shouldn't be any obligation. There shouldn't be any, oh, we got to do this. When we truly understand the grace that God has given us to make us part of something and we live with one another with that understanding. We get to do this together. I'm not alone. I have people who have my back. I can invest in other people. It doesn't mean introverts becoming extroverts, and we, can, we all respect those differences. But doing life together, when we embrace that and we understand that, that is joy and happiness that comes out of that that overflows out of our experiences. Our connections help facilitate worship and spiritual climate. Our relationships help one another grow. Our, help, our connections help us go through our life and what we're experiencing. Think about it from the opposite perspective. When the people of God aren't doing this, when we're not connected, when we're not unified, then our prayers become hindered. When our people of God aren't connected and unified, then encouragement stops. When we're not unified, then truth can be divided into segments. When we're not unified, then agendas come before people. When we're not unified, then people carry burdens alone. When we're not unified, then we're on our own with our doubts and with our questions. But when community does happen, when, when we are connected, when we're doing this life together, then the good oil, the joy, the happiness, the connection, that flows. The people of God lift one another up in prayer. There's encouragement that abounds. We rally around the truth. Our agenda is God. We carry one another's burdens, and people are reminded of who they are and who God is. When we are unified, the happiness and the joy that God provides just overflows amongst us. And what happens? We strengthen, and we are strengthened in community. We get stronger as people, and as followers of God, when we are together and connected. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about. It says in verse 14, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. There is a variety of people in this place. We're not all the same. We don't have the same backgrounds and stories and histories and and financial statuses and education and any of those different things. We are different, and that is a beautiful thing. That is exactly how God wants it. You think about Lego sets. If you just have a big box of all red bricks that are four by two, you could probably build something, but it's going to be kind of lame and dull compared to if you had a whole bunch of different ones. If you had a toolbox, you have a whole bunch of different tools in there, not just a box of one tool, because that's what you need. You need the variety. You need the differences. And the reality is, in verse 18, it says that God has a, it says, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. That word means appoint, to designate, to give a task to. God has specifically placed you in the body for a reason, your spiritual gifts, your history, your perspective, your story, what you've come from, what you've learned, what you've endured, God has placed you here because somebody needs you in your life. Amen. Somebody needs you in this place. We just, um, I just got back from a New Life Pastors Retreat the last couple of days, and um, there was almost 40 pastoral couples, 40 of us made up of pastoral couples, who were there and at one point we divided up into some smaller groups based on seasons of life. And so there were all those who had no kids in one group, those who had little kids in another group, those who had elementary school kids, those of us who had teenagers and then those who were empty nesters. The empty nesters were really excited and like happy but um, it also took them a while to get up out of the chair. Um, When we said that, oh you should have heard it, it was great. but they were giving it to us, the teenagers, going, ha, 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 ha we're done with that. <laughs> Those of us who were with the teenager group, are my kids in the room? Um, the fact that we were with 10 other people to be able to go, this is what we are experiencing, thinking that there's something unique going on in our house, but you hear from 10 other people, oh, no, no, we had that happen. Oh, no, no, we're going through that. Oh, no, no, it was worse here. And realizing within 10 minutes, I'm not alone. And there was things that we've gone through that we could say to another parent who are just going through something, well, here's how we handled that. And then other parents who have like, you know, multiple said, well, here's how we handled that. That was the most encouraging, equipping, strengthening hour and a half of my entire last week. Just to know that there was a a group of people who could say, I've been through what you're going through. I am going through what you're going through. Here's how I handled it. Here, I'm learning from how you're doing it. We needed one another. And then we get all together and those who had the little kids were giving us encouragement. Those who are empty nesters were encouraging the teenage parents and all those different things. That's how it's meant to be. If you're in here, you are not meant to go through life alone. You Somebody in this place needs you and whether you want to admit it or not you need somebody else in this place you need people who have gone through what you're going through you need the people who have already gone through what you're going through to be able to encourage you to be able to use their gifts to be able to carry you and for that you to be able to help carry them when they need it we are strengthened when we're together It is that you are living life more difficult than it needs to be when you do it alone. But when we do what God has made things to be, when we do it together, we have strength. We also have encouragement. It says in verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I'm going to skip down to verse 25. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices within it. This passage of Scripture has, to me, six of the most saddest words anybody could ever utter. I have no need of you. I have no need of you. That is, that is a phrase that should never be said in the community of faith. That, should, that is a phrase that should never be said amongst Christians. We always need one another. We always need one another. Yes, when I, if we were going through a valley, if you're going through a difficult time, you might be like, oh, well, yeah, obviously I need you then. But even in the best of times, we need one another. Because we need to help people celebrate with us and keep us on target, keep us on perspective. You always need other people. So don't in pride say that you don't need anyone. Don't let your past experiences make you say about the present that you don't need anyone. Trust how God has made things. You need other people to encourage you with what you are. If you are suffering... People should be suffering with you. If you are celebrating, if you are honored, people should be celebrating with you. But no one can suffer with you or celebrate with you if they don't know what you're going through. We need to be connected. We need to share. We need to be open. We need to be doing this together so that we can suffer and celebrate as the body experiences life. Bonhoeffer said, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. But we can only experience that when we are active within it. I just Zoomed with Mark and Josie Kondra uh, a couple days ago. And um, there are missionaries in Southeast Asia and um, haven't seen them for a little while. I mean, they're in a remote village. And if they're not the only believers there, there's only a few believers in that place. And this is their life all the time. And so to get on the Zoom with them, you can just see their smiles. It's like, it is so good to see you. That desire for Christian connection, that desire for faith. We need to have that perspective, that encouragement, that desire for strength when we see people every Sunday. We have a greater privilege than what they do, but we don't have that same attitude sometimes. God, let me see how good it is. To be in this place and to be encouraged, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. I pray that God lets you experience that joy and that strength. The last thing, God impacts the larger community with His church. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity! It is it is at the it is as excuse me it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling out on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Psalm 133.3. God impacts the larger community with his church. this church. Again, Another word picture is given here, and not being in Israel, not knowing the landscape, we might not understand what this is trying to communicate. It mentions Mount Hermon. This is a, Mount Hermon. This is what it looks like. This is a mountain as far north in Israel as you can get. And you can see the snow up there. Uh, Israelis will go uh, skiing and everything when it's like this. It's really beautiful uh, landscape. The, it's thought, uh, well, not thought, it's true. The dew coming off of this mountain in this region is super, super thick. I mean, we all know, like, even like we taking our dog out in the morning, it's like, ah, she's going to come in all wet just because of the dew on the ground. It is so thick The dew coming off of this mountain, and you can see it in the landscape and the area around it in the mornings. That's what this image is talking about. But what it says uh, is that it says, is as if the dew of Mount Hermon is falling on Mount Zion. And this is the part we need to understand the image. This is a map of Israel. You can see these two stars on here. The top one is where Mount Hermon is at, generally speaking. The bottom one. Is where the temple is at, where Mount Zion is at. So it's basically all of Israel. And so, what is the picture that he's giving here and the point that he's making? The unity in the body of believers is so good and so pleasant and so abundant that it should be, it's like the dew from the north is covering the entire land down to the temple. How the community is interacting with one another is going to impact everything outside of the community. Everyone out of the community is going to be impacted by the unity and the love coming out of this community. That's what God is saying. When my my people are living in unity, how good and pleasant that is. And it's so amazing that the goodness of it is going to overflow into your lives and you're going to experience joy and happiness like you never knew because of what I'm doing in one another's lives in your life. But when that's happening, that joy and happiness isn't just going to overflow in your own community. It's going to overflow and impact all of the community. All of of Chicago should be impacted by the unity of New Life Community Church. All of Chicago should be impacted by the joy and abundance coming out of this place and our locations. And not just ours, all of the church of Jesus Christ. Chicago should be different because of us. And so we have to ask ourselves if that's true. Is that what's happening? This idea resonates with the words of Jesus. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I mean, Jesus says people are going to know me based on how you interact with one another. There's a missional aspect that's laid on the community. You know, we we might not be able to impact all of the world. We can't impact all of this country. But we can do something in this place. And it starts with how we're interacting and living life together. That the joy and abundance would overflow in this place and then in turn overflow out of this place. We can pursue our unity with each other so that the dew of God's grace can pour from him, through him, to those outside of this place who desperately need a drink from God's living water. Bonhoeffer said this, A life together under the word will stay healthy, Only when it does not form itself into a movement, an order, a society, but instead understands itself to be part of the one, holy, universal Christian church, sharing through its deeds and suffering in the hardships and struggles and promise of the whole church. The church should never become something else other than what God has made it. It is not a political agenda. It's not a cultural pr- pursuit or anything like that. It is the body of Christ pursuing Jesus. And when we pr- the body of Christ comes together to pursue Jesus and worship Jesus and grow in Jesus and encourage one another in Jesus, then we're functioning as we should be. And the joy and abundance overflows. And it overflows out of this place to where our society is changed. If our society isn't changing because of what the church is doing, it's then the church is doing something it shouldn't be. And we're focused on the wrong things. Let us be about Jesus and proclaiming who he is. Because God will impact the larger community with his church. He'll impact us. He will strengthen us. He will encourage us. Being part of the church is part of what it means to follow Jesus. On that, we're going to end today by receiving communion. Um, And it's appropriate